listener, I'm your host, Sally Holder. Join me each week to escape and be refreshed with stories of people who dared not to settle for the American dream. Go beyond just getting enough in life and live into a place where big dreams actually do come true. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover why internal success is better than external success. Be prepared to redefine what your best looks like in your life and free yourself from the guilt of wanting more. I cannot wait to get started sharing these stories with you. Hey listeners, I cannot wait for you to listen to this next episode. It is all about how to increase your brand awareness through collaborations. It's something that every single one of us can benefit from. Whether you're a new entrepreneur or whether you've been in business for several years, creating collaborations are just a smart tactic for increasing your revenue and your reach at the same time. So I had to find out from someone that I knew who had created collaborations with huge brands across the country exactly how she did it. And I can't wait for her to share everything with you. Dorothy Shane is an artist who was named one of the South's best tastemakers, according to Southern Living Magazine. So I jumped at the chance to interview her. She's a contemporary artist who creates custom works, commissions, and prints. She started her company, Dorothy Shane Fine Art, nearly five years ago in Charleston. And now she lives in Greenville and creates there as well. Over the course of the last five years while she's been in business, she's created a wildly successful company that's well-respected in the art world. Her art's been featured in galleries from the East Coast to the West Coast and in magazines such as Garden and Gun, Art Magazine, and Architectural Digest, just to name a few. She's been asked to create commissions for celebrities like Mindy Kalig from The Office, and she's had several incredibly successful collaborations with brands like Mac and Murphy in Charleston to Anthropology. This woman knows how to create brand awareness. I cannot wait for you to hear her concrete tips on entrepreneurship and, like I said, most importantly, how to utilize collaborations to grow your brand. See, she followed a specific process as she got started with her company, and she's sharing it with you on this episode. She'll tell you all about what she learned along the way as well, what to do, what not to do. But overall, I know that she attributes collaborations as one of the biggest driving forces behind having her products sold everywhere from South Carolina all the way to Paris. In fact, those collaborations have created such reach that she has more than 23,000 Instagram followers and a thriving business with several employees. I cannot wait for you to hear her tips and get to know more about a woman that I adore and an artist that I truly admire, Dorothy Shane. I can't wait for you to get started with this episode. Hello there, Dorothy Shane. I am so excited to welcome you to the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. Thank you, Sally. I'm so flattered and honored to be here. We are going to have so much fun because you are literally one of the most creative people that I know, and you have built an amazing brand. I can't wait to dig into the details of exactly how you've done that because I know that you have some incredible tips and tricks to be able to share with our listeners. But before we go there, let me just ask you to share with us 
the, the same question that I ask all of our guests at the beginning, tell us about yourself and how you got to be the artist that you are today. Okay. So I have really, art has been a part of my life since the day I was born. My mom has always had this story that when she was pregnant, she, she told me that she had this wave of creativity come over her and she kind of, she read every Martha Stewart book she could get her hands on and was painting pumpkins gold and making flower arrangements out of watermelons. And just, she just went wild. How cute. I I love that. Yes. And so she always, I always say that like, that's where it initially came from. Um, My mom is very creative and grew up when I grew up, she had a little studio in our garage and I was always in there painting and playing um, and watching her create. And so I, I really think that's kind of where it stemmed from. And then throughout my life, it was kind of, as I grew, it was kind of always kind of a staple. And as other kids became more involved with sports and I grew taller and taller and taller and realized <laughs> I was not coordinated. I really always felt um, that art was that one area I just had this kind of unshakable confidence in. Mm-hmm. I always love that. It was just the class in school that I knew I walk in and I knew that was my, it was just my time. It was my kind of, I knew I could create. Yeah. It's your comfort zone. Yes. And so I really started taking it seriously in high school. I had um, a teacher here in Greenville, South Carolina at Christ Church which was the high school I attended, um, really pushed me. And for a while, we butted heads so hard. And I just remember coming home and telling my parents what she wanted me to do. And it was just, I was just so frustrated for some reason. I think I was not, she saw potential and I just pushed back. And finally, I don't know what happened to me, but I um, I started listening to her and instead of being frustrated, just kind of shifted perspective and being open. Um, And I found in high school that art kind of became my little safe haven when, you know, you have drama with girls and all of that stuff. And so I really started pouring myself into it. I feel like it was kind of, it was very therapeutic for me. And as I poured myself into it more and more and took classes inside and outside of school, I was like, okay, I think I think I can go to college with this. Um, And so I ended up applying for an art scholarship at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, and getting one. And um, that's where I studied studio art for four years um, with a focus in painting. Love that. I I love your ability to reflect on a teacher having that big of an impact on your career. And that, you know, even today in... I think your late twenties. Um, yes. <laughs> as you reflect on your career, though, you can point back to her having such a big impact, and and so I absolutely love that. You know, so often I can hear the stories today of people that were deterred by uh, you know other people questioning their dreams. So I'm always applauding the story of someone that has been encouraged you know, to grow and to develop because of someone else believing in them before they believed in themselves. So I love that story. I love that. Yeah. I feel like in addition to her, I had a, I think I had probably three college professors, but one really that just all art professors um, that really just changed my whole 
college experience, one of which his name was is Barnaby Fitzgerald. I just think that's the greatest name ever. <laughs> it sounds like he should be an author instead yes, of an artist. <laughs> yes, but he um, he just pushed me to levels I didn't know kind of that I even had in me. So he he definitely stands out too. So, uh, Dorothy, what did you do after you graduated from SMU? Did you immediately go into the art world? No, Lord, no. So I, during college, I um, attended a program called Semester at Sea, and it was a three and a half month long travel the world program, a study abroad program. And I came back from that program and had just the full on travel bug and this, I had it set in my mind that I was going to just not do the corporate route. And um, I wanted to do something unconventional. And so I landed at a dude ranch in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And I was a kid's horse wrangler after college. <laughs> I love that. that. It sounds like a really fun and exploratory time. For sure. For I'm sure, sure you enjoyed every minute yes. of that. I did. I did. I actually did not make it there very long. I made it a month. And <laughs> so I think it was good while it lasted, but I knew it was not not right. And so what year did you begin your company, Dorothy Shane Fine Art? So I began Dorothy Shane Fine Art um, in... I'm trying to think. It was 2016. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's been a wild couple of years. It has. I think that probably anybody listening to this podcast who already knows of you, because you are a very well-known artist, is surprised to even hear that it's only been about five years since you created your company because you've experienced some amazing success just to name, you know, a few that I'm aware of certainly uh, being able to provide some commissions for some celebrities uh, being sought out to provide those um, being named one of the South's best in uh, Southern living this past December. Correct. Yes. So flattered. Yes. So you've had some amazing accolades and something that you and I talked about right before starting the podcast was that you attribute some of that success to some collaborations that you created early on in your company. So tell me a little bit about how you think collaborations play an important part in anyone's business. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think kind of back to the beginning. And I just remember I was living in Charleston and I rented a studio and kind of just started trying to get going with my art and get my name out there. And initially I thought, you know, there's all of these people trying entrepreneurs and young artists trying to make it and what sets us all apart. And for me, what I initially thought of was, okay, you know, it's our networks. We all come from such different networks and backgrounds. Why don't we tap into those? And that's kind of, I feel like tapping into all those different things provides you access with different people and different opportunities. And so for me, I really started thinking about using collaborations as access to a different network of people and finding brands that you align with their aesthetic and 
you align with the people you work with and um, really kind of building that way. I love that idea. I think you're absolutely right. You know, you want to take what you have and then be able to add value to someone else, but then their brand can absolutely add value to yours too. So tell me a little bit about how you started that process. So you, did you just look around and, and you were saying, okay, you know, there are five or six companies in my hometown that I can create collaborations or were you thinking on a larger scale? How did you really get started kind of reaching out about making these collaborations happen? Yes. So since day one of pursuing this art career, I have always kept a list and I would credit this to my mom, but I remember sitting in the floor of my crappy Charleston apartment and I had a huge poster board and a Sharpie and I wrote down every single name and company that like I dreamed of working with. One's, Could you give us a couple of those names? Yeah. So one was um, Mac and Murphy, which was on there. One, and it, this list included people that I had dreamed of having conversations with. One person on that list was Amber Vins, who is the um, founder of Reward Style in Dallas. There Love were it. companies like Bumble on there. And um, oh gosh, I can't even remember at this point. It's been so it's long. A huge variety, though, is what I'm hearing from what you're saying. I mean, yes, both huge companies that, you know, a lot of people starting out may not have put on their list. But one thing I love from what I'm hearing from you is you just dreamed big from the beginning. Yeah, I feel like you just got to aim high. And and part of making that list, I think, is like you you're able to visually see it. And then if you can sit down and make yourself... I kind of use it as like a spider web and I'm like, okay, who do I know that knows somebody that might be able to put me in touch with this person? And so kind of looking at those names and companies and working backwards. Oh, that's such a great tip. So you made this big list of people, companies, you know, that you aspired to be able to create collaborations with. And at that time, even when you were making the list, did you have any idea how, you know, quote unquote, you were going to make those happen? Because so often as a business coach, that's one of the things that I hear with from people all the time is because they don't know how they're going to make, you know, this particular dream happen, they don't put it on the list. So mm. did you know how you were going to, to make any of those happen? No, <laughs> um, I definitely did not. I think I looked at that list as kind of a way to say, okay, it, it was almost like a list of potential phone calls and coffee dates. And I think a big lesson I learned as I went, worked my way through the list is a lot of times you, as you work your way and have coffee and some people say no and some people say yes. I feel like your list is edited. And over the years, I kind of feel like that's been the case is like as you get to know people and you connect, you know, you connect with certain companies, you might not connect with another. That's when I feel like your list kind of dials down and becomes this really about who you are as a person and what you value and kind of becomes stronger than the initial just huge list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that seems very natural. And, 
you know, it is an experimentation, right? I mean, getting to know your new company is like getting to know a new friend. You know, you're not really sure how the relationship's going to go. You know, you're not really sure how everything is going to work out. But eventually, you know, it all just kind of works out and, and you get to know the intimate details of that person. And I always think of a company as an entity like that. You have to get to know the ins and outs of them. And you yes. do that along the way through experimentation. And that's exactly what you said. You know, my process was almost identical to yours in that, you know, I began with a couple of people that I've, you know, admired and found influential and set up times to meet with them and, and found much the same process that meeting with one always led me to another avenue. You know, you call it a spider web. I'm normally talking about it as a tree branch, you know, it creates another branch and everything grows from there. And so as you reflect back on that first list, you could probably say every single thing you've had kind of really oriented from making that first list. Yes. And I will say to Sally, now that I'm thinking about it, when I was living in Charleston, I was about to move into a new house and it fell through the last minute and I had already booked movers and I, I was almost out of my, the current apartment where I was living. And so I feel like the universe always works in mysterious ways, but I had a friend call me who lived in Los Angeles and say, I have a room open in my apartment for a month before someone else is moving in. Do you want to take this month, come out here, paint, get inspired? And I just immediately said yes. And financially, I had no idea how I would make it work. But I just, I knew I had enough to buy a plane ticket and I would figure out the rest later. And that that trip, so I went and spent a month in Venice Beach, California. And for me, that month taught me so much, I feel like about, doing my art because it made me realize that I can make a living anywhere doing it. And so it, I remember being in LA and wondering, oh my gosh, how I'm going to be out here for a month. How am I going to even bring in income? How do I paint out here? And I remember selling my first set of prints to a company when I was there and my first paycheck coming in. And I was like, wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like, I don't have to be in one place to necessarily make this work. There's so many ideas and art is so, so you can look at it and create passive incomes and alternate, you know, it doesn't just have to be the sale of one painting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, I love that. I don't know that I've heard you tell that story before. And it's so representative of, you know, what makes a great entrepreneur. And that is just being presented with an opportunity and saying yes to something that makes you feel expansive, right? And so because this was, yes, right? It expanded your horizons. You were interested. Your gut was likely telling you, yes, this is good for me. And you followed it. And I think that, you know, and therefore, you know, further opportunities continue to arise from that. So yes, and I'm it was, so excited. It was so funny while I was out there. I remember having friends and just family make comments about God, like, wouldn't it be nice to be in LA for a month, just hanging out. And I was like, you know what, I just wish they knew what I was doing. Because while I was out there, I a day did not go by that I did not have coffee with someone and I didn't reach out to someone new. I was meeting totally random people and 
people through friends. And so I feel like I also used it as going back to the networks, just a way to expand my network. And that while I was out there, that's actually how I had the opportunity to do a piece for Mindy Kaling. Oh my gosh, I love her. And and just in case our listeners have, you know, been living under a rock lately, (laughs) (laughs) Mindy Kaling is is an actress. She has also, I think, been a director, but yeah. she's starred on, can you remind me what shows? The Office, The Mindy Project. Gosh. She had a, a New York Times bestselling book recently, yes. I believe. She's, so, just, she's a boss. That is incredible. Well, what an opportunity to be able to come out of that. Just that one yes that you said. Right. So um, yeah, that's amazing. It was a great, great learning learning time for me. So after getting back to those collaborations, it sounds like, you know, one of the critical steps is always being able to have a list of people to focus on it and future collaborations that fit within your brand and your ideal scope of work, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then how do you begin to, you know, figure out or narrow down which ones kind of fit into a positive collaboration and which one might ones might you want to eliminate? So I think for me, it was just about reaching out to the ones that were on my list and setting up meetings, whether it was in person or over the phone or via email and kind of almost pitching yourself and saying, you know, I would love the opportunity to work together and a lot of times I feel like you you learn about the collaboration, about the company while you're doing it. And so I think for me, I've learned so much as I've every time I do one, I'm like, okay, next time I'll I'll I'm gonna make it so it's a li- slightly different, or I'm gonna put this in place to make sure something doesn't happen again. So I think each one has taught me a lot, but um, I feel like I've the meetings where the people said yes. I had, I knew prior that I wanted to work with them. So if they said yes, I kind of, I was already on board. Oh, I love that. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I had to share something really exciting with you. Are you feeling frustrated with where you are or wondering how do I get where I want to go in my career? I have created something just for you. It's a quiz with 10 quick questions to help you figure out your next steps. All you have to do is go to sallyholder.com, that's S-A-L-L-I-E-H-O-L-D-E-R.com, and take the quiz, and you will immediately get results on what your next steps should be. Share your results with me directly or tag me on Instagram. It is the perfect place to get started. All right, now, back to the episode. So can you tell us if you can remember who your first collaboration ended up being with or give us some examples of some of the collaborations you've created along the way? Yeah. So I think my first collaboration, if I'm thinking correctly, was with um, a stationary, like a boutique stationary company out of Charleston, South Carolina called Mac and Murphy. I do love them. Me too. And so we created a line of stationary, kind of playful, almost child, childlike. So that was a really fun opportunity in collaboration because it gave me 
an idea of what else art can do. And that, again, it doesn't just have to be through the sale of a painting. You can take art, you can put it on products, you can create other lines of revenue through collaborations. I love that too. Two words I keep hearing you say that seem to be also critical to the business aspects of your company, you know, rather than just the artistic aspects seem to be, you know, a continued openness and willingness to look for unique opportunities, things that were different or maybe didn't fall under the scope that people would traditionally think of as an quote unquote artist. And I love that that was something that you were thinking about because it is applicable to anyone listening to this who wants to be an entrepreneur that, you know, that openness and willingness really needs to exist so that they can create, you know, in lots of different new and new ways, but develop new revenue streams too. Right. 150%. So after the Mac and Murphy collaboration, what collaboration came next? Oh, Lord. I'm trying to think. So Mac and Murphy happened. And I think the next collaboration was a line of journals with anthropology. Okay. And so how did you make that collaboration happen? I'm sure there are lots of people that would love to know that. Yes. So this is crazy. So the, the anthropology connection happened when I was living in Charleston and a woman wandered into my studio one day, was looking around. We were just chit-chatting. I had no idea who she was. And when she left, she handed me her card and her card said she was a buyer for anthropology in Philadelphia. Well, I immediately had a heart attack. And I think within the hour, I emailed her and just said, you know, it was lovely meeting you. I'd love the chance to work together at one point or another. And she at the time emailed me back, could not have been nicer, but just said, you know, it's not a fit right now. I said, okay, kind of bummed, but just, yeah. I'm, kept on, I'm surprised you didn't give up right then and there. Yeah. So I just, you know, you just got to keep on moving. And so it was so funny. Almost two years later, I posted an image of these bikinis that I'd been working on for a while. And I posted one on Instagram. And within the hour, I got an email from her almost two years later saying, let's start our first collaboration. Oh, my gosh. So talk about the spider web really taking shape. I love that. That's incredible. It was just crazy. And what was that collaboration? So we did a line of journals, kind of small journals with commissioned artwork of bikinis um, for anthropology and exclusively for anthropology. So I think we did them on two, a set of, or two different ones on um, two different journals that we sold for about a year, which was just a blast. How fun and exciting. Yeah, it was great. And is that how then you expanded into also doing actual bikinis with them? So no, it just gets even crazier. (laughs) So I guess it was probably another year and a half or two years later I received an email from a company that I actually almost deleted because I thought it was spam. And it was someone inquiring about my my swimsuits and wanting to turn them into physical products. And I just remember saying, you know, this is kind of, the email was a weird format. And I was just like, I just think this is a scam. So when in doubt, I always run run to my dad or my mom and 
run things by them. And um, my dad did some research and came back to me and he said, this is actually legit. You need to pay attention to this. So it was a funny process with that. It was through a third party who designs the swimwear, can produce the swimwear, and then they pitch it to anthropology and anthropology can say yes or no. And then they buy it from that third party. Oh, okay. Fascinating. Yes. So very, very funky how it's set up for sure. And then what about your next collaboration? Do you have any coming up that you're excited about? I do. I have, I have a really, probably my biggest one yet. Um, it's coming up in September. I can't tell the, can't tell all the deets yet, but um, it's probably one of the, the things I'm most proud of to date. So I'm really, really excited for it. That sounds exciting. I know we will all be waiting to hear about the announcement of that. I can't wait. So it's another big collaboration with another large company that has has taken your work and wanting to to utilize it again? Yes, and turn it into products. So kind of a um, reoccurring theme is in each collaboration is how, what other mediums can you put art on? So products, fabric, wallpapers, the list goes on. So kind of just figuring out, it's, it's so fun to work with these other companies to brainstorm how to take what you've worked so hard to create over the past five years and turn it into other things. What a smart recommendation. Again, for anybody that's an entrepreneur, it's about working smarter, not harder, right? It's taking the the things we've done and saying they are useful in a lot of different arenas. And I know that we can all be very short-sighted or just, you know, very myopic and thinking that, you know, it's only applicable to our industry, but, but they have, you know, applications in many different industries often. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And I think a lot of what I, what I experienced and what I'm kind of learning as I have coffee with young artists who are trying to start out is a lot of people rely on those, the sale of paintings and they're just constantly creating and creating and creating. And it is, it's hard. It's hard to be creative just at, you know, when you click your fingers and it's, it kind of takes, sometimes it takes the inspiration and the creativity out of creating. So for me, I feel like it's important to utilize these past five years. I've created so much work. Well, instead of just relying on the sale of one painting, how can you take that work? And hopefully a big tip is always have your work photographed and make sure it's a high res file that you can repurpose and reuse forever. I love that. And yeah, that goes for so many different mediums, any kind of products that anyone's producing. It's so important to be able to have it, you know, in that reproducible asset format. So let's go into the detail for just a minute too. Mm -hmm. You you know, you've created all of these amazing collaborations. And one thing you said was you learned a lot along the way. What were some of your biggest Mm -hmm. mistakes, if you don't mind sharing them that you made? Oh, so Lord. Okay. Everyone can avoid those. So, and Sally, I've talked to you about this in the past, but I think this, you know, maybe it's being a little bit from the South and also being a people pleaser. I have had, I've had to really learn to grow a backbone. 
And I think a lot of collaborations and a lot of companies will come to you and want to do a project and want you to create something and put your time and energy and um, resources into a project for minimal cost or minimal pay. And at first, you know, you get exposure. How could you possibly say no? Well, I think (laughs) the hard lesson I learned was exposure does not pay the bills. (laughs) And <laughs> okay, that's definitely going to be a quote. Exposure does not pay the bills. I want every business owner and entrepreneur uh, out there to remember that. <laughs> I and finally, I think I probably it's probably been a year ago, but I just hit a wall where I I am over exposure. I feel like I I understand where people are coming from and I appreciate it. And of course, that's a perk of doing your work in a, a great project. But also, I feel like if you do your work for free and you're constantly giving giving yourself away and not getting compensated for doing it, I think you will do a better job if you are compensated so that you can, you know, the, the base of your business is covered and able to continue to run while you designate a significant amount of time to a project and making it the best it can be. Absolutely. You want to be proud of the product that you're putting out there. And oftentimes you're not willing to put in the right amount of time to make something that you're proud of if you're not being compensated for it because it doesn't pay the bills. So completely agree with you. What other kind of lessons have you learned, mistakes that were made along the way Mm -hmm. that people need to be aware of? I guess moving moving forward in all collaborations before I even enter one, I think I've learned that it's important to look at the cost on your end before going into it. Because I think in the past, I kind of just was like, hey, you know, this is great. And this will, you know, it's a great partnership. This company is so cool. And then you realize you're spending more on your end than it's even worth. And so I feel like that was, that's been a kind of hurdle for me is making sure my costs are covered, whether I'm paying someone to help me or, you know, there's tons of, back and forth emails and communications and marketing photos and all of that. So making sure that those costs are covered and included in the project fees. Yeah, that's a fantastic tip. So do your due diligence before you sign the contract and kind of lean out a little bit and make sure all of the costs associated with it are added up so that you're walking into it with open eyes. I think that's yes. a great 100%. tip. What about if you can see that you are not a great fit for their particular brand? Have you ever had that situation arise? (laughs) Yes. Um, And I think I, again, being that people pleaser, it's been a really hard lesson for me to have to stand up and grow a backbone and say, you know, at the time, I don't think this project is a fit. But I've, and I, I've, I feel like before I have to have those conversations, I have to sit down and take deep breaths. And I usually have hives on my neck. But it's so funny because every time I've had to have one of those conversations, usually it's so the people on the other end could not be kinder. And it's just kind of a relief to everyone because the, the company doesn't want you involved if you can't give 100% and they don't want a project that's not fully representative of your brand and their brand. Absolutely. Everyone's looking for the win-win relationship rather than creating a win-lose relationship. And I think so often, you know, we will, if we're not 
as you put it, you know, having the strongest backbone, we tend not to want to, you know, offend anyone or we get really concerned about creating a, a bad, bad blood between the two parties. So yes. we take on a relationship that really is a, is a losing relationship for us. It ends up taking time, but it doesn't grow our brand in any way. And I think that's what's amazing about what you've done is strategically links yourself to people and collaborations that do grow your brand and do it in a very intentional way versus saying yes to any opportunity presented to you just because it's a collaboration. Yes. That's presented. It's so funny now that you say like the win-win thing, it should be a win-win for both parties. I was just reading this book um, and there's this whole chapter just about how in a collaboration or in a deal, it should, you should be getting as much as you can get and they should be too. And so you're both really, both parties should be really happy with like the result and, you know, the compensation and before moving forward. And so what about the kind of most positive things that have come from your collaboration experience? Because I know there have been a lot, you know, we talked about the mistakes, but what about all of the great things that in the end you can say are are big wins as a result of creating collaborations? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, So big wins, I would say kind of, I feel like it just keeps coming back to this network, but you're tapping in by doing collaborations, you're tapping into these other networks of people. And it, I feel like is just, it could not be more fun when you get a picture from a friend saying, Oh my gosh, I just walked into my aunt's cousin's friend's house in Northern California. And your, your pillow is sitting on her couch or I'm in Paris and I just walked into anthropology and I see your journal sitting here. So I think for me, that was just, it was kind of like the watching them spread and hearing feedback from people all over the place. I think for, that really was exciting for me. And then a lot of times too, you just develop the most amazing relationships from these collaborations and meet so many people that will be part of your network forever. And hopefully you'll continue working with for a really long time in different way, shapes, and forms. How fantastic. So Dorothy, as we kind of get wrapping up here, uh, tell me a little bit about what's coming up for you that you're excited about and that you're working on that our listeners Mm -hmm. need to know about. Yes. So I am, um, I'm trying to think. It will probably be in October, but I have had a goal for a very long time of creating my first line of textiles in wallpapers. I thought it was going to be much easier than it is, but I'm learning so much as I go. So in October, we will hopefully be launching. And that is something we're pouring all of our energy and sweat into right now. And um, I just could not be more excited for it. It has a really cool story behind it. And I think it will align with the rest of my art and that like everything kind of has a story. Um, so I'm really excited to share it. That sounds really exciting. Thank and I know, you. I know it is going to be gorgeous, just like every other product of yours that I've seen, every piece Thank of you. art. And like you said, pillows, scarf, all of the other beautiful collaborations you've created. So thank you. Well, I'm, I'm excited to share them. 
And thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom on creating these collaborations with other brands. I think it has been, you know, very eye-opening for me. I think I'm going to jump off of this podcast and go make my list and think (laughs) about who I have two degrees of separation from to be able to get started on, you know, making contact with people in bigger, you know, bolder ways. Because, you know, if you can make it happen, then the rest of us can too. And that's what I think you've given all of us the the realization of that. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. And I love your podcast. Well, thank you. (laughs) So lastly, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, want to purchase some of your art or just follow you, how can they do that? So they can go to my website, which is www.dorothyshane.com. And they can also follow me on Instagram. And my handle is just Dorothy underscore Shane, S-H-A-I-N. And that is my email and all of my contact information are on there. And they're welcome to shoot me a DM as well. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dorothy. Really appreciate your time. Yes. Thanks so much, Sally. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks so much for listening to the Hitting Rock Middle podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder. Remember, you can always find out more about me by visiting sallyholder.com. That's S-A-L-L-I-E-H-O-L-D-E-R.com. I hope you've gotten a lot out of this episode and there's even more content on my website to support you, including a link to my weekly email filled with tons of business tips to help make your business bigger, bolder, and more successful. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play or however you're listening. And if you've enjoyed listening, please leave us a review. We'll be back next time with another empowering story of someone dreaming beyond the American dream. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.